dream. Almost like a premonition. I think there's an attack coming. My lord, this one will fall. I need warriors. I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves. How do you know your team's strong enough? If you can't bring down the charging bull, then don't wave the red cape at it. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Zack Snyder's Justice League by the minute. This is a full-blown spoiler cast. Spoilers. I'll say our previous episode is probably the closest to like a legit review. Uh, This is going to be just us fanning out and geeking out about the wild stuff. Now that everyone has seen it, knows is fair game and needs to hear people confirm, yes, absolutely, that actually did happen. (laughs) You didn't dream that. This is real. Yeah. We should waste no time in getting into this, probably. Because I know there were moments in this movie where even knowing what was going to happen jaw drop mind blown and the fact that i saw this movie when i couldn't talk to anybody about it <laughs> was torture so now i get to make up for it and steven same to you to a lesser degree but oh my god they said that our gods would outlive us but they lied the future has taken root in the present <laughs> you got your damn excalibur quote <laughs> there it is in Zack snyder's dcau after being freaking obsessed with the bvs <laughs> parallels delivered by carla gugino delivered by carla gugino after seeing hands down the most ridiculous shocking are you kidding me how did none of this leak uh <laughs> sequence in the movie we should like we'll talk about this all by sections but i can i feel like there is no bigger shock in this movie then all right let's go let's bring superman back to life and everyone is sitting there with their popcorn going okay i guess this part is pretty much like the theatrical one i guess those people haven't been paying attention to me for three years then oh yeah i'll admit when it cut to earth dying (laughs) yeah well because that's i know i i say that mostly joking because whoa that scene blew my mind but that's the storyboard that dave the film junkie and i leaked in february of 2018 like three months after the movie came out we got that that storyboard we we're like wait dark side is on the storyboard the hall of justice is destroyed and the nightmare and the earth is getting to de- what's that and so and what we what we were told by um the, where we got the storyboard from was that it the nightmare happened after cyborg plugs into the scout ship and so fans were always speculating they always thought that it happened it was just funny it's like we're the ones that put the storyboard out and we said this happens after he plugs into the scout ship but everyone's like oh this must happen when he's talking to the mother boxes at the end yep 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 and we're like no it happens when he plugs into the scout ship and well, like, there oh, wasn't maybe it any, happens when there wasn't any context for cyborg having a vision like this yeah so i think that was where a lot of people were like there's a piece missing that would make this make sense. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so, and I was wondering also like, well, Flash is running, so you've got the speed force, but yeah. no, they, they didn't even connect it to that. So, so he's going up, gearing ready to plug in. I'm like, oh, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. And then it started and we'd seen some of it in trailers and stuff. And I was like, there we go. Wait, no, wait, this is different. <laughs> wait, th- there's more in here. Wait, this wasn't in the storyboard. <laughs> what? The- <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, the... The funeral of Diana, absolutely ridiculous shot of the massive funeral pyre and the Apocalyptean ships, and then the little opening of Darkseid marching out to look. Oh my god. 
And, yeah. Oh. And and just the the this is not just the nightmare scene, but this is a good this is a this specific shot is a really good example of just how hardcore Zach embraced that high fantasy, like the big plumes on the Amazonian yep. helmets and the um man, like when he talks about like going like Lord of the Rings, like he really as much as possible with the Amazonians and the um Atlanteans especially really went high into that. But also with Wonder Woman and the coins over her eyes and the funeral pyre and just it was everything. <laughs> it earned the music. Yeah. Of this is this is how the world dies. You know, like it it with a bang in Zack Snyder's yeah. DCU, right? Wow. Well, and then we've got the 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 question about anyone who's been paying attention. The question was, do we see Darkseid kill Lois at the end of the movie? The answer is, no, you see it in the nightmare. <laughs> like halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. we so, so this is something that we've known for a while based on something that Zach said at the director's cut event in Pasadena a few years ago. And then also though, it says it in the, in the storyboard or the, um, the breakdown boards that he made with Jim Lee came out and it described dark side boom, tubing into the boom, tubing into the bat cave. Yeah. Doing the Omega, Omega beams beam on Lois. And it, I think it describes her as turning to ash or something. And so I think we, everyone kind of assumed we would get that as like a scene, but wow, no, the second it shows it here in the nightmare, you know She's exactly there. what it is if yep. you've been paying attention. And I mean, speaking of turning to ash, I mean, that's 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 what we saw. King Aquaman killed underwater yeah. Omega Beams, killing Volko, and the like. If I didn't know how cool it was going to be to see Darkseid's glowing eyes underwater. I'll just put oh, that yeah. out there. Well, and the and the question is, <laughs> it's, it's funny because the question is always with these, like, everyone always kind of wrings their hands with, oh, how do you depict that superhero thing on the screen? And it's funny because people make fun of Zack Snyder thinking that he, like, rejects the superhero aesthetic, and they'll say, oh, no, he tries to make it, like, too real or whatever. Which is funny to me because, to me, he always just says, like, no, I'm just going to do it like they do it. Do comics. exactly what's on the comment, yeah. And and so you talk about like oh how do you how do you make omega beams work? It's a little bit no, you just do it. It's just, there's just the omega beams. That's exactly what that was. Did you see something else on screen? I saw the omega beams. <laughs> that was the I think the sequence where it hurt me knowing that was like that when it was conceived of was the plan for for what was actually coming. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, not to get bogged down on that, um, it is fantastic. We, that's where we got Dark Sun and the Throne too, which is an excellent moment there. But well, that's and that's a uh, King Conan. Yep, I love it. You, I didn't, I didn't, I saw it, the image. And I didn't think of anything of it, and then um, you're like, this looks kind later. of familiar. Yeah, exactly. And then I saw it side by side. And it's like, oh no, that is a direct <laughs> Schwarzenegger on the throne. We should probably go through these because we've given our overall impressions of the movie. Now we can just get into like checking off the list of all the yeah. things that we want to talk about. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about that hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, I'm sorry. Do you mean Granny Goodness's tube steak? Yes. Thank you. That's not a um, joke or a euphemism. That's the brand of hot dog cart. I that's like the the number one thing I want to like tweet about when I finish the movie, and I'm like I can't. And then in the the one person I want to talk to about Chris Wong Swenson, the hot dog man, I has not seen it yet either. And so I'm like I yeah. gotta talk to someone about that damn hot dog. Oh, I saw it in trailers. I don't think 
people necessarily noticed right away because they didn't get many comments. And I was like, those are hot dogs in the air in, in that shot in the trailers. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe go back. Well, no, not go back because this happens after that. But there's also the, 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 there were so many things in here that people thought were Whedon jokes that were actually Snyder jokes, like, um, flash with the pizza and like, I'm a black hole for snacks. I'm a snack hole. Snack hole. Like that's Zack Snyder. And, and, and it, it lands here and that whole I'm rich and then the car because well, yeah, it was tainted like, by the horrifying stand-up routine that, that happens before it yeah but anyway and the- still I mean I hey hey uh I do ice dancing. This is the stuff they put on the space shuttle. Yeah. It's very competitive ice dancing. Like that's, that's, a, that's a great joke. That's yeah. a fantastic joke. But yeah, but the hot dogs was so to, to, I've been curious about those since the trailer. And so then you see him burst out. And then of course I'm thinking like, okay, well that person has his resume. They know ex- exactly who he is. And then I know Zach had talked about how like with the flash, he doesn't like having the flash, like carry people or, or, or snatch them while he's going. Yeah. Full he speed. doesn't like that. The physics, of that yeah because it would like rip their arms off and stuff and so i was like so how is he gonna save her then and then oh. he just caresses her through the air into this perfect <sighs> gentle landing but then he takes the moment to snatch the the the, the yep. tube steak the granny goodness tube steak which is like which is and, and like the original flash you know showcase comic the breakfast sausage that's one of the first things that he sees so it's like it works but, but yeah, you're kind of saying like, why is he taking that? And then the payoff is like, oh, he was already thinking. Yeah. Well, cause you're thinking like, okay, so this is just a gag. Cause he's always he's hungry goofy, yeah. and he's a little bit of a goof. No, he was literally, he was like, I need Planning to get, out, I need to get back yeah. there and explain what happened. And then, and then the pay, uh, and oh man, I was, so many people were down on Ezra Miller because of the theatrical cut, because he was just so weird and goofy and it didn't yeah. land. And man, that, that with the dogs it all landed it's insane how how much more enjoyable this version of the character is even though it's like yeah. such a similar portrayal just in the writing alone is so um warm and innocent yeah. and but not cliche and frustrating one well, the and the we referenced this a bit in our previous episode but they tried to cut corners like they tried to shortcut some things and it ended up just totally taking all the foundation out of the things that take a little bit more time. But so like this whole scene, like imagine I, I keep on trying to start explaining how and why, and it's never going to make sense, but nope. they wanted it to be lighter. They wanted it to be funnier. So they cut this entire sequence where the flash was, plays with I, puppies. The only thing I can think is it's purely time. Yeah. That's it was only, purely time. That's the only ex- explanation. But that's even then there's stuff in the theatrical that I would cut it to, for the sake of leaving this Well, in. they needed the time for that Russian family. <laughs> no, but like you're saying, the the scene with, with him and Billy Crudup is allowed to carry out the way it normally would. Yeah. So I already care about him by the time we get here. Mm-hmm. But you're bringing up, I mean, this is the most obnoxiously beautiful. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> and even this with Song to the Siren, Rose Betts' version of it, which is just painfully slowed down. To the point of, this is just instantly one of like the most beautiful things my brain is hearing yeah. for the first few times. 
But the way that, like you were saying, the the words of the songs that match, it matches up so perfectly. And then me, as a Flash fan, am hearing Barry meet Iris and time stopping, literally, both the first time they meet and then when he saves her, set to a song sung to a siren that is sung from, in this instance, it would be a man singing to the the woman who has completely now, that is Barry and I, like, that is, she is his lightning rod. She is his, what connects him and what grounds him. And all of that is conveyed through this scene, through uh, the fact that when I watch it repeat times and realize that she sees him during it, the, like the, the look on her face is not blank. This takes place over seconds. So she, mm-hmm. this is like, I saw this. And then days later, the news broke. Kirstie Clemens is in the Flash movie. And I said, well, she has to be now. Yeah. Because now people have seen this. You absolutely have to pay this off uh, because it is so powerful on its own. And yeah. um, as, as a fan of The Flash who has fallen off watching the TV series, this is just – this is a Flash fan moment that is one of my favorites. I was really hoping that she was going to say, we are The Flash after he saved <sighs> her, though. I was like, where's my line? <laughs> I was like, it's the it's the line, right? Like that's the thing they say to each other in the comics, right? Do you want to talk? This is a good segue. Do you want to talk about the licensed music, the needle drops? I will. Yeah, let me. Uh, uh, the one last thing I'll say about about this scene um, with the Flash, though, is well, I guess two two small things. One is I was a little that driver bit... should be charged. Okay, three things. Um, yes, that's one of them. <laughs> um. I was concerned from – I kind of started to get the vibe from marketing that this was all that we'd see Kirstie Clemens in because we just kind of saw the same – like we never saw anything other than just these yeah. couple of shots. And I was like, I, I feel like at this point they, w- they would show us something new unless they, unless they were just – that was all they had in there. And, um, and so I was like, so I can understand how so little would be uh, would be cut. But then – because of the way they played with time, it was actually such a long scene that she was in, even yeah. though it, it wasn't a like a big arc <laughs> for her. It was such a significant and drawn out moment with this, you know, like you said, with the song and everything. The other thing is also, obviously, this this extends to the rest of the movie. But here is our first kind of taste of it is after we've had two versions of Quicksilver between the Fox X-Men movies and the Marvel like Age of Ultron there was a lot of question of like okay how do you, how are they like how is Zach going to portray a, a speedster that's that's different uh, like what can he bring to the table that's fresh but also kind of gets the idea across i feel like he even more like i feel like Quicksilver in the X-Men movies they they took the super speed and then just made it a perspective and so he is moving yeah. super fast, but they depict that by slowing everyone else down. Whereas Barry Allen, I don't even think they approached super speed. They just went straight to the speed force. We're, and they're talking like time dilation more than even speed when it comes to him. And that's the way they depict the power is by is by manipulation of time more so yeah. than actual legs moving fast. And, it's more of a conscious, yeah, decision. Yeah, and and visually what that ends up doing, especially with Zach, who who uses speed inherently in his style already. Yeah. Oh man, it's like a match made in heaven. Yeah. I mean, 
just right down to <laughs> you looking away for the hot dog and then looking back and seeing like, oh shoot, she's moved oh, brushing, more than I thought she was. Brushing would've. the hair aside to get the yeah. um, the sun shining through, like it's. Yeah. I mean, we can't do the whole podcast on this on this moment. No, but <laughs> yeah, well, we have. I love that we zeroed in on literally the minute where it's like three seconds long, and we're just stretching this out yeah, um, exactly for the licensed music. <sighs> Lois at the memorial, which which is which was removed. That was one part where I was thinking, this is just, this is Zach taking his time and this is uh phenomenal. Like, this is just, I want this time with Amy Adams. And then it's the scene where he's uh, got a cameo too. Just as the beautiful uh, accompanying vocals in um, Distant Sky. I'm, I haven't had a chance to look it all up yet. I don't know. I don't know that song. I just know that. That along with Aquaman's <laughs> There is a Kingdom. Are you, are you familiar with these songs, Stephen? I feel like I've heard the, I haven't heard the, um, the one that played for the lowest scene before. I've, I think I've heard the Aquaman one, but I'm not super familiar with it. Are you familiar with who they're by? Uh, you have referenced this, but um, I was not exper- I was not familiar with that. But I think that would be a good thing for you to explain. Yeah, this is the first uh, glimpse into the Justice League by the minute dissections that will be coming yeah. in the future. These are both songs by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, who is uh, very, like a very well known musician and songwriter uh, in the UK, um, but also had tragedy strike when his um his son Arthur died in I think it was 2016 uh in an accident so I was I was flooded with thoughts and emotions when these songs started playing so that was something you were aware of when it started you knew like you I you recognized made the, con- the song but did yeah. you make the connection about his son yes I think that anyone who hasn't um Nick Cave has had has spoken publicly about the uh, grieving that are some of the most profound things that I've ever heard talked about in terms of grief. Um, so I would encourage anyone to look that up just uh, aside from the movie, but it, it cemented him in my memory as with a lot of people, I think permanently linked to that. And that has where the music ended up being. Um, it's just a, Distant Sky is is like a a lover singing to their lover that we should leave. Everything took on. This is all. This is the worst dissection of this kind of stuff because I know in the music scene people have been talking about this for years. But to have that song playing when Lois visits Clark's memorial, I guess impromptu memorial, and then to have the uh, another song that was written that we. This is literally Arthur's uh, <laughs> kind of introduction as everything the Aquaman is, and he is a king. Uh, and he is within and he's without like you were saying how the the words of the song they just it's not what the song means but in doing this it it can be used really clunkily in mm-hmm. in different films it's just a perfect marriage of like the feel of the song the lyric of the song what you are pairing it with it would be hard for me to think of a movie that has such pronounced needle drops that is as much of a no-brainer as these are yeah, well, and, and these are both scenes where this one is Lois gets coffee and she walks down the street and she walks down the street and she walks down the street and she gives it and she gives it to Jimmy Olsen. Obviously, no, he's, that, a cop, he's but... long dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got shot in <laughs> Nairobi. But the uh, the actor that played Jimmy in the uh, in the old movies. Oh, Mark McClure. Mark McClure. Mark McClure thank you. And then she, you know, visits the memorial, and she just she stands there and she looks, and the music is almost more of a focus, yeah, 
than the than the vi- I mean the visuals are a foot like there's there's so little dialogue and the same thing for Aquaman it's just slow motion like walking out down the pier getting in the water you know taking his shirt off like but it's just that that's all the scene is that and the music yeah. but it's it's like and and those are the moments in this where eh, that's just Zach's, like who else is gonna is gonna do that yeah that like unapologetic style yeah exactly because it, it, it's cool yeah <laughs> yep um. But but also I think that that type of thing is yes that's so Zack Snyder but also because of the nature of this movie not that we wouldn't get that kind of stuff in it anyway but because of how this all happened this is even more indulgent than it would have been allowed to be if yep. a if some version of this had gotten to theaters in 2017 because people are going to say and the narrative is already forming we were supposed to get this in 2017 and the the frustrating. Or, you know, the, the reality is, no, we were never going to get this movie in 2017. It wouldn't have been allowed. Yeah. There was no world in which, you know, we were going to get a, a two hour, maybe a two and a half hour. He, was, he I bet he could have fought his way to a two and a half hour version of this movie. It would have been probably ripped apart by critics as, as always. And then maybe three and a half hour, if he's lucky, Ultimate Edition would come out yep. and people would say it's better. But even that is going to be missing, you know, some of these more indulgent you know, there people are going to say, was there anything else that you cut? He's like, well, you know, that scene where Aquaman walks down the pier, that was originally twice as long. But, you know, when you're cutting for time that, you know, they, they made me put icky thump over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sends a very different message, a, just a strong one. But yeah, I mean, that is the case is there are more moments in this movie than any other where I thought, well, this is really making a case for why indulgent is not necessarily a bad thing. Can we talk about Steppenwolf? Yes, please. This is the first time I've had to make an effort to keep this a (laughs) non-explicit podcast, but he was flat to unsettling in the previous version. And in this version of the movie, not only is he cool, deadly, well-realized, accurate to the comic books, you know, faithful in terms of uh, story, not appearance, I mean, and very cool and like fully realized as an alien character with a world behind him that you can sense. But I genuinely felt for him. I, I genuinely felt emotion for him to the point that when he was killed, my overwhelming feeling was, oh, that sucks. <laughs> what is the thing that is going to make all of this make sense is him begging Desaad, can you speak to Darkseid and can I come home? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, are you kidding me? That is his entire motivation. He has the strongest motivation out of any character in this movie, is he wants yeah. to come back to Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. His exile, I think they make reference to exile in the theatrical cut, but you have no idea what it means. It, it factually doesn't mean anything in that movie. But in this, they have tears well up in his eyes. I don't know if I've ever seen a CG alien character have more believable emotion in response to another even more wild CG alien character uh, (laughs) taking the form of a weird molten metal wall. Yeah. (laughs) When he said, it shall be so, you know, I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is nuts. This is why you get Kieran Hines. For Mm -hmm. this role, because, oh my God, 
like the I felt the tears in his eyes. I felt the emotion that this dude was having. And I still have on top of that, his voice saying, give me the mother box, <laughs> echoing in my head overnight. Well, not overnight. After several years of, of finishing what was the plan here, this is the best villain easily in the DC movie universe. And this is one of the best superhero villains, I think, period. Yeah. The the thing that I think struck me the most about, I don't even know where to, st- I think the the Kirby stuff in general, the second Wonder Woman said, she, did she say they went back to their universe? Yeah. Um, but they, they, the fact that they could have just made them an interplanetary something and I think gotten away with it, right? Well, I don't he could think- have said Darkseid, the anti-life, will make him master of all life in the universe, but he says the multiverse. Yeah. And the the fact that they could have done that, and I don't think many people would have even balked no. at it. Um, you'd have some people that'd be like, oh, well, technically they're, you know, if you look at the uh, multiversity, the, the new gods exist outside of, you know... Like, yeah, sure, you can get into that. But, yeah, I think most people would be okay with the, like, oh, no, it's just another planet. Yeah. But the fact that they, they make them, like, interdimensional and and they really, I think, nailed the higher life form angle of all of them are – we don't even fully I – was, I was wondering – I thought for a while that we weren't going to really – get his motivation like he'd explain it but it was gonna be something that like we couldn't necessarily associate with because you know it's a higher being and so they were just gonna say like oh we're like ants to them and so you know we don't need to under you know how does how does an ant understand the motivation of a human it's just gonna step on them and and we got that to an extent but then also got that that emotion in there yeah i think it was fascinating i don't know i i i need to rewatch it a few more times to get to where you are on there because i think zod and lex are both really really hard to beat but i will say for a fully cgi villain it is hard to do that with a with a the fact that he is in contention like in conversation here at all that i'm talking that i'm comparing him to zod yeah when he is he's not only not only all CGI, but I mean, he's all CGI. He's got horns and this, these, this armor, and he looks like a, I don't know what, a, a, a bull or a whatever. And, um, and yet still, still conveys that with his voice, but also, also the, um, the, the visual effects. It is good on its own. If there was never another version of this, it would still be good. The fact that <laughs> this is what they were trying to do with it and instead, they did that other thing. But, uh, you you yeah. can't come back. How do you explain? Someone's gonna have to explain this to shareholders. Yeah, you you <laughs> like, took this. You took a good villain and made him the worst. <laughs> and I always thought, you know what? I maybe there's isn't as much to work with. The whole you know, if you remove Dark Side, it's like having ring wraiths with no Sauron. Yeah. Right. I always thought I was like, okay, you know, he's like a ring wraith, right? He's the he's the 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 emissary of the the Lord of Mordor of Apocalypse, and you know, he's just a bla- a dude in a in a cape, and he shrieks and and he's dangerous, and that's yep. and he's scary because his boss is scary, and then they bring in this character, and they're like, yeah, he's scary because his boss is scary, but also he's scary, but also he's tragic. <laughs> yeah, and he's like. Our heroes are in his way of a mission that is relatable and that he would die for. Uh, well, and I mean, that's Zod, right? Like, that's. Well, and even at the end, 
like when when Superman's got him pinned, and it's like, dude, you got him. You don't you don't need to go so hard. The one having his head cut off. Yeah, and and be crushed. That was the moment that I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you shut up. He was this close. Like, he did it. Like, he did it, and then the Flash took it back. You piece. Okay. But, I mean, then also mm-hmm. that terrifying built-to-kill, truly next-level threat, and yet also at times, like, an even more adorable Gollum. Yeah, well, like, when he – I think that we talked about this even in the trailer breakdown, but it was really striking when his – when he talks to Desaad, oh, and yeah. he's – and and he, he kneels before Desaad. But then, um, but then Darkseid comes out and his armor just peels back. And I, I, I don't, I, I think I said this in our trailer breakdown, but I, um, it reminded me of like a dog with its tail between its legs or flattening its ears along the back of its head. And it's just, it was having that armor peel back like that. And it's just such a submissive. Yeah. Like the fact that they were able to communicate that visually and emulate that, what it looks like when like an animal is just like humbling itself before its master. And like I'm, I'm obviously when I say Gollum, but but those moments where Gollum was legitimately like, like maybe the world isn't a horrible place. Those mm-hmm. moments resonated with an audience like nothing had before that. And if I'm honest, I don't know that I have felt that since. Yeah, pity mixed with like I shouldn't. <laughs> it's just weird. I mean, you, you you're coming to Earth, you know, like all of his all of the things. It is wild for that to have been the ambition to to make that character hit those emotional notes. And I think part of the reason it succeeds also is because he's never trying to get any like imagine if he had found the the anti-life and was trying to like seize it for himself. Yep. If yep. he was like, "Oh, I got the anti-life. Who needs dark side now?" I can take the anti-life and I can take apocalypse for my own. But he he sees, but he finds the anti-life and his reaction is, this will finally gain me favor with my yeah. master. Oh man, I I mean, just the the small details, and that's Chris Terrio's writing. I I where he showed up and the first thing he says is defenders on on thousands of worlds. They're always here, and it was it was such a boy. That's the way you do that because. He's not belittling. It's not like they're ants. It's just, I've done this. Mm -hmm. This is how it always goes on these planets. And to come back with, I think Dasad says, uh, Mighty Steppenwolf, who should have been here Mm -hmm. at the right hand. I was like, I mean, this is Lord of the Rings type stuff that they're talking about it. He says, Anti-Life is here. And Dasad speaks Latin. (laughs) Domine qui infernum. What in the, what am I, what I'm witnessing? And it goes to the point of what we saw Steppenwolf, we saw Parademons, we saw Apocalypse in Batman v Superman. Mm -hmm. Like he was teasing this out. It was all a case of our heroes through this guy who they've now accidentally stepped into the path of. We are glimpsing an entirely different universe, an entirely different story, an entirely different culture. These guys have spoken before, and we don't need to be told that. When he says Mighty Steppenwolf, I can tell that he's being facetious. Yeah. I don't it, it I don't need any of that and stuff. And look at the like and to your point, the the lack of exposition. I'm really trying my hardest to to have this conversation without going back to like a any other similar movies from other franchises and the way they would <laughs> lean on and I say that still trying to avoid it, but like, imagine 
just how this kind of like there's no they don't have that like back when you exiled me i was i thought that i would never see you again but now that yep. I, like no they they have yes, the- let's show our re uh, our, our replay we actually get the opposite of that where he says hey when dark side i'm starting and decide says we all know this story yeah <laughs> we all know the story of the defiance get to the point mm-hmm. i'm not doing this i'm not entertaining this yeah but yet it is still crafted in such a way that like to your point communicates the story we all know the tale of the defiance you just told me everything without having to actually say anything right Instead of doing like a finishing each other's sentences, telling like one sentence of the story back yep. and forth, it, like yeah, and and also and they delivered it in pieces too, because then we got we got the rest of it from from um from Diana talking to to Bruce, and I don't know maybe that's a good time to start talking about the history lesson. Wow, I like we're talking so much about Lord of the Rings. And it was funny because we always, like, and it was very, very Lord. It was very much, in so many ways, like that opening battle in um, Fellowship of the Ring, down to the, you know, the the last alliance of elves and men. And and you've got all that. But it's funny because that's always how I pictured it. That's how I explained it to people. And then... It was in at Justice Con. Fabian Wagner was on a panel, and somebody asked the history lesson scene: "Is that supposed to be like aesthetically? Was that like Lord of the Rings?" And he said, "Oh, really? I think it was kind of more 300 than Lord of the Rings." And at the time, I was like, "Uh, maybe he just didn't understand the question because I'm pretty sure that was like a Lord of the Rings scene. That, that seems weird." And then you see this, and then you see this, and you're like, "Oh no! Like straight up, that's the 300 aesthetic." I mean, Zeus like looks just like Leonidas but not only yeah. like looks like him but I mean the they they give that give it that color grade and also like the way he grits it like Zeus grits his teeth is that just like over pronounced like what did you do to their like proportions these people are like in like the the his t- they're they aren't normal shaped people how did what <laughs> lens did you use to shoot this <laughs> like it's it's so larger than life it, it's 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 and 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 I'm thinking back at like that. I keep on going back. I, I would call it like a pinky or I mean, it was salmon. Everything was salmon colored in the theatrical, but also like you lacked that like the high contrast and and just like visceral look that you get here. It's it's so. Um, and not only that, but the 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 just the storytelling of the battle. There's there is an actual battle, and you can follow the story from element yeah. to element. Like it's. I know I've been saying I'm going to avoid comparing to other other um, other movies, but like this is as big as the climax of Avengers Endgame, and it's the prologue. It's the it's it's the history lesson. It is this this happened in the past. Our yeah. our great battle against the evil dictator that we drove off, and uh, and you know this movie was supposed to come out before <laughs> before um, you know, months <laughs> before Endgame or before Infinity War. And so it's so crazy to see that when like that's the the culmination of thirty movies or you know twenty three movies, and then and this movie is like oh yeah we we did that too but that's you know that's the, our ancestors had that battle. <laughs> what was your reaction when Ares absolutely destroyed Darkseid? I did not expect that. I knew because I so I interviewed Nick McKinless, uh, the guy the stuntman that plays Ares. Back in 2018, maybe, and he and he described that scene basically as what we saw. Uh, he just like jumped off a box and hit a bunch of guys in a green suit with the axe, and then kicked them off, and then like swung the axe around his head. And we saw him do all those things. And I was like, okay, but we saw that in the theatrical cut. But I don't think we, I don't think it defeated. St- it just hits him. It hits him, and then something else happened. 
later yeah. on that like drove him back. Well, they like drag him away, like having not yeah. been beaten. So I was expecting this battle, but and I talked to multiple people that were on the that were on the set for this battle too, and. The, what I was able to piece together was like, oh, the dark side was really beating them back, and it was a hard fought battle, and they were they were losing, but then the new gods showed up and turned the tide, and like that certainly happens to an extent. But man, they kicked his butt. I was like, I was not expecting like when they talked about defeating dark side, that was not a close call. Like they whomped, they whomped well, dark side and the forest and of that's apocalypse. The thing that I mean, just blood. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I mean, they <laughs> just... cl- it was. It it was it was no contest. I mean, they just they they annihilated him. Well, and that's the goofy thing is that's exactly the kind of stupid thing that is said and just taken for granted. Which is we can't have the villain get beaten because then he'll be less of a threat later. Mm-hmm. And that's like why we have to have this w- incredibly weird thing where Steppenwolf is like. Hold me back, bro. Back into his ship and then taken away. Whereas in this case, Darkseid got got it handed to him. He is going to be so determined. Well, and then you know what like blew my mind later then was when Steppenwolf is like, no, I found it. It's here. And I was yeah. like, whoa, they have conquered so many worlds that to them, this is just like, it's like that. It's a grudge. It's like that Lego piece. In the box, we're like, where's that one? There's that one that's like, it's 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 like the different color, but it's like the one by one, and you gotta dig through like a thousand Lego pieces, and you're like, oh, there it is. Like that's Earth to them. <laughs> like this well, is that yeah, because then, like, to you, that point, you would think is... they'd remember Earth, right? Earth is the one that right. got away, but no, it is just it is this grain of sand in a sea of conquered worlds, and and they apparently don't didn't they they lost track of it or so it's because of how insignificant it is to them and that was such a speaking of like no exposition what a great way to kind of tell that story of like yes it was significant that they were defeated here but even more so that like there's hundreds of thousands of other worlds that they've gone on to 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 conquer to the point that he'd be like remember that one that you lost he's like of course i remember the one that i lost but like i don't i couldn't tell you where it was or or what it was called because well yeah to your point earlier is the planet from the tale of defiance mm-hmm. like the famous humiliation of dark side that i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. so completely insignificant but because he got so completely beaten you know that he is going to be motivated by his humiliation and the infamy that this has brought with it to wipe this planet out and then the way that that all culminates in the end to ready the armada we do it um the old the ways. old ways is so like he you know he he wants revenge yep and the fact that he's like you know what we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about all that we're just gonna go back again I, like the fact that the we, we'll have to move on because we're dangerously <laughs> getting into like justice league by the minute level dissection here but the fact that the mother boxes didn't want to unite because they knew Superman was back. Yeah. Cause that was, that was, that, that was the big question of why it wasn't that his scream activated them. It was that they were waiting. The, the scream didn't turn them on. They were just waiting to turn yeah. on until they knew he was dead. And they became aware that he was dead because of the scream. That moment, which again was on repeat viewing where Steppenwolf is saying, he puts them next to each other and they won't join. And he says, unite. And they don't. Mm-hmm. And then yell synchronize and they start to go as it was like 
the mother boxes knew like, oh, we sh- no, I don't think we should because he's back and we know it, but you don't. Yeah. Could he take Dark Side? There's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, looking through the portal, it isn't a matter of, oh, he's he's done for, he doesn't stand a chance. Or if he comes here, it's over. It's like, oh, damn. And that's really the only thing that you can say is like, I don't know, but this is going to be bad. Yeah. Like, if he comes here, this will be bad. Granted, we've seen how bad, but that's the kind of like, it's not the same kind of layering as BVS, but it is, there's more going on there than I think it presents itself r- right away. Mm-hmm. Especially when you picture it as part of a bigger story, yada, yada. I'm trying to think of, well, what do you want to talk about next year? The, the weird thing about this is that so many of the spoilers were in the trailers because it's like this movie is technically yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. I think, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that we're not going to dig into quite so much. I think that um, speaking of like the scope and the scale, and um, I think that what they did with the Atlanteans and the Amazons is bo- is more interesting on in both cases than the solo move the respective solo movies well i should say wonder woman is great wonder woman 1984 and aquaman presented less interesting versions of those societies than we got in this movie and not not just less interesting but like i don't want to say we got less we got a lot of atlantean history and stuff in, in aquaman but in wonder woman 1984 we got so little and like we got more amazons in this like twice as much amazons in this as we got in wonder woman 1984 like this was more well, of a part Wonder of that Woman is movie like, than 1984 was like, and well, we like yeah. that well enough. But it's just insane how much how much of that stuff is in here compared to to that. How deeply can you feel the culture of Themyscira? Because most of the movie isn't set there. So like, and then in in Atlantis, the character requires the story to also most of it isn't set there. Mm-hmm. Modern day Atlantis presented in Aquaman is very cool, but you need. Well, Snyder obviously wanted to dial up the potency of these places. Mm -hmm. They will stand as completely different in a matter of seconds or minutes of it. So you have the Amazons, which feel like they're pulled right out of 300. Mm -hmm. Atlantis, which feels like the elves of Lord of the Rings, again, they are completely their own thing. If you ask me after seeing this movie before Aquaman what I thought Atlantis was, the Aquaman movie might have been... Not a disappointment, but it would have been different. Yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, whatever. This doesn't need to be a podcast about Aquaman. But I think that the message that is sent in this movie, man, that's so cool. And the scenes we get with the Atlantean guards being dragged up to the surface. and Also knowing where, hypothetically, this story would go were it to continue. Um, and knowing that, like, they would eventually come full circle to that last alliance sort of situation. And we get... That again, but with these versions of these societies is insanely cool. I mean, there's just. Yeah, that's fantasy. That's not superhero anymore. Yeah, and the Green Lantern was cool. The R rating lets him get his hand cut (laughs) off. (laughs) And then, and then Darkseid was like, I want that ring. Yep. Um, What about Martian Manhunter? Let's, can we discuss the last 15 minutes of the movie? Yeah. This feels very much to me like this was written and filmed after what happened with the studio. <laughs> as much commentary on what has happened mm-hmm. with with these DC movies, both like inside and outside of it. I mean, the ironic thing is right now, I don't have a whole lot to say. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is a very faithful Batman to me, and Jared Leto was a very faithful Joker to me, so seeing them interact was like, yeah, this feels like I could read this in a comic. Mm-hmm. I would want to see the story that is coming. Yeah. Not just this. I, I loved the attitude 
of the Martian Manhunter final scene. Well, I guess I'll see you around. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, here's what I would have had planned. It's like, wow, all right. Well, I guess uh, we can use the help. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I think per that point also, there, it, there, I think there's the meta aspect of like, Bruce is kind of like, yeah, we just brought Superman back from the dead and um, fought off an intergalactic all extra dimensional yeah. invader and uh we've got a cyborg and a and a speedster and an ancient amazonian and a kryptonian on our team so i guess you know so you know they're coming out of the woodwork now i guess <laughs> <laughs> sure martian manhunter okay cool also i was surprised that ryan Choi got his own kind of stinger yeah. sequel tease kind of moment there also that is his thing nanotechnology yeah um, I will say, and this is one of those areas where I need to, re- it's going to benefit from rewatching. It did on first watch. It felt a little bit like um, the nature of the epilogue felt very like return of the King. Okay. The most exciting ending that you could have had, like the most, like this is, this is a true epilogue. The, yeah. The most like the dark Knight jump to credits. I'm hyped ending. You could have had what is like dark side looking through the boom tube. Right. But there's yeah. more story to tell. So how do you, how do you do that? And I think, they they did it well, but also there's that like okay, so we're just letting the energy down now, mm-hmm. and and like this is interesting and this is cool, but also it's not how do I I don't know how to compartmentalize it in my in the larger story. I'm sure on on rewatch when you kind of know like you're not waiting to find out where it goes on first watch, you're kind of in suspension of like okay, what's gonna happen? Is there something going on here now, or is it just gonna? It felt very much like Zach's epilogue more than the movies. Mm-hmm. If he said this is how I would have planned to end part three of five i would i would be surprised yeah story wise there's a few interesting things going on because you've got that specific thing from the nightmare brought in stuff that was kind of planned for like part four he's very much kind of bringing in that like hey if there if more does happen this is kind of where it would go and wanted to give people a taste of that what i don't know is like so like the Martian Manhunter stuff that was originally supposed to be Green Lantern and they changed the Martian Manhunter, you know, whatever ex- exactly the issue was. Yeah, so it becomes less of a surprise ending. Yeah. And more of like inherently a recognition ending. Right. Which is just less punch ending. Exactly, but it is very interesting to me that the inclusion of like the Joker stuff teases way more than it than it sets up. Like it has very little to add to this story. When Snyder is openly saying in interviews, well, they don't want any more of this. The end of this movie will prompt the question, what was the original plan? Yeah. Ultimately, this movie exists. So you can't, I think yeah. we can't say, Yep. never say never. Yeah. The, the only thing we haven't touched on, I think you said all you need to say when you said this movie doesn't work unless cyborg yes ray fisher and cyborg are the anchor of of the biggest swings that set the mood and set the tone of this movie it's rare to see someone give an understated performance with 150 percent whispering it's amazing what he's able to do with i mean a lot of it's just voice acting but it's it's very physical the way he walks he's got almost like a hunchback we should probably not get into this because this is going to make up so much of what we talk about when we actually discuss. Yeah. But I, but if if the question was, does this movie explain like why Zach thought Cyborg was the heart and why? Yep, yeah, correct. Well, and it's it's very clear that Ray Fisher worked closely with Chris Terrio to craft this story. Also, and 
I think I'll state it and we won't have to dig into it. The, the Jonathan Kent um, and Silas yeah. Stone kind of inversion. There's, there's some, what do you call it? An antimenable <laughs> where it's the, it rhymes and then it, and then it flips. I think what was fascinating about it is that Zach's movies are so personal to him and you can tell this movie especially is so personal and so Zach yet this thread the single character thread that is at the core of the movie is also intimately personal to the performer. Yeah. And I think like you were saying a minute ago, that's like you get a DNA in there. That's not Zach's, but you, st- but it's still, you still have that personal like point of view. It's still coming from a point of view, even though it's not necessarily Zach's. That is a flavor that is so cool to see that like collaboration come together to make this something special and it and it expands on like yes cyborg is at the heart of this movie but it 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 only expands on that whole idea that this is happening in in the not in the shadow of superman i feel like that diminishes cyborg but it's all in the wake in in the wake of yeah he is he is um rising up becoming a hero in the footsteps of the legacy of superman (laughs) well yeah and not a son of two fathers a son of one father twice over. yeah Yeah. We're going to have a lot to talk about. (laughs) In two years. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I guess we, yeah, we can say, uh, if anyone missed that in our previous episode, laying out the plan that we're going to go through each of the parts in an episode to, to uh, each of the parts of the movie episodes of their own to come. And I think that will be a cool way to, to go through it and touch on all of the big things that we want so that people can hear us address them. And then as we go through moving the minute by minute, seeing how much our opinions change <laughs> as we go. Of course, if, if our listeners want to uh, ask us any more questions or follow-ups or anything like that, you can do so on Twitter at JLByTheMinute, which is also where we will be posting new episodes. If you also want a more direct line to ask us questions and get in on early bonus stuff that we're going to be, uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash SnyderMinute. And you can also go to SnyderMinute.com where you will find not only all of the new episodes of Justice League by the Minute, but all of the episodes of our other podcast batman v superman by the minute which will be running in tandem but already has what 90 95 96 95 minutes at the time of this recording uh several dozens of hours to to listen to (laughs) us talk about it a glimpse of what is to come but that will do it for now uh if you like the podcast please leave us a review on on itunes we are one of the many people who are just sharing our thoughts but as we get more into the nitty gritty here uh it might help to <laughs> for people to get a sense of the kind of stuff that we value uh and the kind of probably super important and really highbrow stuff that we don't end up talking about <laughs> <laughs> until we get to it in the minute by minute uh we do have a watch party commentary track yes. that you can throw on in the background as you watch the movie as what it is like watching it with us speaking sparingly not talking over dialogue or talking to hear ourselves speak. yeah this is not a not a commentary track as we we do not know the movie well enough yet to do that things that we notice or you know we'll try to keep the jokes yeah. to a minimum probably but <laughs> five minutes of total silence until Aries hits dark side and we go oh yeah exactly that's really speaking of highbrow <laughs> i do want to say this is technically the end of the podcast but i will never be able to put into words my disappointment that Silas Stone didn't go into that little chamber and go. (laughs) (laughs) 
had a dream. I love that I'm now old enough that people are going to say, I don't think I'm old enough to get yeah, that reference. I don't know what. My, the fact that Silas Stone is Miles Dyson. Anyway, we'll get into that eventually. <laughs>